well. And I'm just excited for what God is doing um, and for Andrew, for you at, uh, here at Three Lakes and as we were seeing uh, what God's going to do in this community. So thank you for your ministry there. As a church family, however, here at Three Lakes, there's a few things Andrew may not have fully shared when he was going through that interview process. You know, you always, you always want to put your best foot forward, so I figure I might as well just put the other foot forward and you can work with it as you go. Andrew is no fan, and I find this incredibly humorous, of cold or snow. <laughs> When we moved to Minnesota from Arkansas six years ago, it was, Dad, what didn't you understand about south of the Mason-Dixon line? And um, so from there, he went to Minnesota. He went to school in Chicago. And now he's in the north woods of Wisconsin. So how sweet that is. Uh, <clears throat> a more serious problem is uh, the blood that runs through his veins to keep him warm in the winter is probably a little more purple than green. I'll let you guys work on that one. <clears throat> He's also a young man of great patience. He grew up with uh, three sisters. And so, yeah, special grace there for Andrew. Uh, two of those sisters are currently at the University of Arkansas. And so he's been known to call the pigs in his sleep. So when you're on an outing youth, you'll know what's going on, just to give you a heads up there. The boy can eat his weight in waffles. Uh, do not put him on a contest for pancakes or waffles, you'll be in trouble. He's had practice. He's taken on his brother-in-law, and he has won. Andrew grew up in church, uh, different churches, different states, but he's grown up in church in a few things. He knows where to hide in the building and not be found. <laughs> he knows, nursery workers, where you hide the goldfish, and he will find them. He knows his way around the church kitchen and where the old communion juice is. He can pick the lock on the games closet very well, and he can access just about any computer in the church that he needs to get into. It just comes from being a PK. You learn these things. So um, just a few things there, and I'll let you explore the rest of them on your own. But this morning, I want to just thank Pastor Niall and you as a church family for allowing me to be a part of this time, and, and it's special for me. And, and giving a charge, what, what do you say? I was reflecting back. I, first church, first ministry I was a part of was Church of the Savior in Matthews, North Carolina. And I can remember those first few months, and you're just totally bewildered. It's like, what have I gotten myself into? Where do you start? And God's faithful through that. But in looking at God's Word, I, I was thinking, I mean, what better place to go than probably the Apostle Paul's words and encouragement to Timothy, a young man that Paul calls, calls, excuse me, my true son in the faith. Now, they weren't related biologically, but, but Timothy was being mentored by Paul and, and, and grown up by Paul in his faith. And so he wrote uh, several letters, as you know, to Timothy just to help him in his pastoral ministry. And I was just reading through First and Second Timothy particularly and picked out just two or three thoughts or concepts that have actually been meaningful to me as I've grown in ministry. And so I share them with you this morning um, as a congregation and to you as well, Andrew. The first point would be to guard your heart or maybe a word cherish your heart. And this is, this is true for all of us, but especially when you're, ministering and serving people, it's important that we guard our own hearts. In 1 Timothy 4.9, it says, This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. And for this we labor and strive, 
that we put our hope in the living God who is, our, who is the Savior of all men and especially of those who believe. <clears throat> when we speak of a sweet spot, it's funny, my mind goes to my grandmother's kitchen, but that's me. When we speak of a sweet spot, though, it's that exact place where you get maximum performance with the least amount of effort. A baseball bat has a sweet spot. It's that place in the bat that you want to connect with the ball to get the best performance. It's the same in tennis, the same in golf, that, that sweet spot, that, that maximum performance spot. In a room like this, if you had a sound technician come in, he would walk this room and do some, play with it with some little instruments, and he would find a, an acoustic sweet spot, the place in this room where the music or the, vo the, the vocals come together at just the absolute best they can in a given room. And so this room has a sweet spot. One of our daughters plays flute, and she was taking lessons this summer, and I've forgotten the exact term she was talking, but it, it, it's that sweet spot that you want to get to where you and the instrument are, are together as one, and you're, you're bringing out just the perfect tone in that instrument. It, it, it's the sweet spot, and, and we look for that because that's what it was designed to be and to do. Spiritually speaking, we all have a sweet spot as well. And that sweet spot comes when by faith we learn to walk with the Lord in such a way that, that we truly are experiencing God in his intimacy and realizing, as we were singing just a moment ago in those words, that he is truly with us. With us. And that's an important attitude to be a part of all of us. It's just that place of perfect surrender and humility and dependence before the Lord, but at the same time knowing he's right here with me. And I can speak to him, I can talk to him, I'm dependent upon his power, and I can rest in him. And, Andrew, that's a place you need to remember, that sweet spot. Practically, what does that look, to, look like for us? It means spending time with him. It's easy, especially you've, some of you have taught Sunday school or you've led groups before, and you know it can, all, it can very quickly all be about the next Bible study or the next event or getting this pulled together. And if you're not careful, you, you lose your sweet spot because it's all about what you need to do and you fail just to spend some time with God, letting Him minister to your heart and to your soul, letting His words wash over you. It's important in finding that sweet spot and guarding your heart that you take the time to listen to God's Spirit at work within you. Focus on God's goodness. Don't look lose sight. Don't ever not be able to be grateful and thankful for what God has done for us. Um, sometimes life is hard. Sometimes ministry for individuals, for a congregation can be very difficult. But always remember God's goodness and his faithfulness. Uh, live out of his grace. Don't allow bitterness or unforgiveness to, to seep into your heart. It's, it's easy for all of us to do. We get hurt, or someone comes against us, and we, it's so easy to take it personally. And Satan loves nothing better within the body of Christ than to divide and to tear apart. And, and especially as, as you go into ministry, there are going to be those times it would be easy to, to not want to forgive or to think you have a legitimate reason not to forgive. But always allow grace to run freely through your heart. 
fulfill his purposes. It's his ministry. It's his work that he is doing. It's his power. And it's for his glory as well. Andrew, I pray that as you begin your ministry here at Three Lakes, that foremost it will be a ministry, a relationship with him. And from that spiritual sweet spot, God will work in you and in the lives of those entrusted to you. So guard your heart. Guard your heart. Secondly, guard the truth. And you remember Weddington, and this verse was one that ministered to me, particularly when we were there. 1 Timothy 4.16, he says, Watch your life, watch your life and your doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. 2 Timothy 4.2, very similar, next book, I give you this charge, preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Guard the truth. It's part of your calling as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, seems like common sense. Been to Bible college, you're going into ministry, but don't allow God's word ever to move off the focus of what you proclaim. There are a lot of self-helps, there are a lot of good books, there are a lot of Christian fads that come through, but never allow God's word to leave the center of your heart and of your ministry. God's word is the only tool which has the ability to change lives and to change circumstances. And if we believe that, then that's what we we will build ministries upon. Don't miss the opportunity to speak truth. God's truth into lives of people. Don't be afraid to do that because it truly is powerful as we heard the stories even from the Gideons. And those stories, they do. They get, they, they get retold every single day as God's word encounters a heart and changes a heart and brings hope to a hopeless circumstance. No situation is hopeless in light of the power of God's word. I've witnessed his word change the most difficult person the most hopeless circumstance, and I've seen it bring hope where there was none. So guard your heart and guard the truth. Don't allow God's word to become familiar, mundane, academic. Always keep it fresh. Always strive to to allow it to speak into your heart. Love God's word. Study God's word. Live God's word. Teach and proclaim God's word. Number three, guard those or cherish those entrusted to you. I think this comes to mind when I look back to Village Bible Church in Arkansas, a very unique ministry and one where we, you do, you, you learn to love people and to love them deeply. Not that all were easy to love, but God worked in such a way that we, we, it was a very sweet place for all of us. Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 1, right at the very beginning of the book, as I urged you when I came to Macedonia, stay there in Ephesus so that you may commend certain men not to teach false doctrine any longer, nor devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies. These promote controversies rather than God's work, which is by faith. The goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart, a good conscience, 
and a sincere faith. Guarding those entrusted to you. Ministry is so much more than just books and study. Uh, You've done a lot of that. It's the habit of school and education, and now you're coming out. And yes, those are important, but your focus begins to shift more towards people. Uh, Bible schools and seminaries don't always do a good job of teaching us as pastors how to relate and work with people. We end up learning that on the job, and you give us that grace. But, But our focus is the people that God has entrusted to us. We're reminded in Scripture that Peter says that Satan roams around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. The Apostle Paul tells us that Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. The truth is none of us, pastors, lay leaders, none of us are beyond the temptations of Satan and his legions. Uh, They're good, they're crafty, they're skilled. And they love nothing better than to trip us up. And that's why it's important to put us ourselves in relationships with a church family, with, with, with elders and pastors who truly are concerned for our spiritual, and emotional, and physical best. And Andrew, as a pastor, that's part of your job is, is to cherish and to, to care for this flock that he's making you a part of. Protecting and guarding. Caring enough to speak truth into lives, even when it hurts. And that takes special grace as well. Caring enough to extend that extraordinary grace, even maybe when not fully deserved. It's part of loving people. Caring enough to forgive. There's the idea of forgiveness again. To completely restore. So those would be three I would point you towards this morning. Guard and cherish your own heart. That's where it starts. It's where ministry begins. It begins in God's work in your heart. And then, of course, guarding and cherishing God's word. It's why we're here. It's why we're here. Allowing it to speak to your heart first and then allowing him to let that spill over out of your life into the lives of those around you. And then thirdly, that guarding, that cherishing those entrusted to you it's God's flock it's his church and what an incredible and awesome privilege and responsibility is to be able to shepherd them I I have no doubt Andrew you will learn much while your time here at Three Lakes I have no, no doubt that you will also learn much from this church family and you will serve them well Guard your heart, guard the truth, and guard those entrusted to your care. All right? Thank you. Thank you.
and you better not repeat the mistakes of Watoma. You know, that, that's not what this is. This is me saying, I was blessed in a huge way in Watoma. Yeah, there were ups and downs. Like, no church is perfect and no, no youth pastor is perfect. But if I could put together some of the ways I was blessed and, and some of the things that maybe, maybe I saw that were really good for me or things that maybe I didn't see so much that I think would be really good for Andrew, uh, this kind of comes out of that. This is not a gripe session. This is how do we bless a youth pastor? And having done it for 10 years, I have some ideas. So um, here it is. Uh, I have seven because that's the perfect number, right? Uh, uh, number one, number one, would you pray for Andrew and his ministry? Would you just pray for him? Uh, I was just talking. I mean, every time somebody says they pray for me, it, I always just, it just hits me like, that, that's why I see God working. Like when someone says, Pastor, I've been praying for you, I, I just don't say, oh, thank you to be nice. I actually literally think in my heart, that's why what comes out up here is actually good. Can, can we amen that? You know, I mean, that, that's it. That's it. I mean, I was talking to John of the Gideons this morning, and he's like, when you came and you were installed, I put you on my list to pray for, you know? I mean, that, that's fantastic. I talked to my, my grandfather, who's 86 years old, while I was on vacation last week. What does he tell me? I pray for you every day, he says. Every day. You know, I feel that, and I want Andrew to feel that. I want him to know that, that, that you love him and that you're praying for him, because he's going to need that if he's going to be effective. And when you have a whole church praying that a pastor is effective, that is pretty cool. I also imagine he needs prayers because the guy's, that guy's engaged and he's getting married in a year here, less than a year, and, and being apart, that's not the easiest thing either. So leading up to marriage, after he gets married, you know, keep praying for him, keep doing that, um, and, and you will see an effective pastor in your midst. When people complain about pastors, sometimes I wonder if they pray for them. <laughs> you know, that's what I wonder. Uh, I feel like this church has prayed for me really well. I don't feel like I'm telling you anything new to do, but that was number one because it, it's so huge on my list of things I want to receive from the church. Just pray for me, you know? Just pray. Pray for Andrew. Uh, Paul said it like this. Pray also for, uh, for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. Well, Paul, you've been to heaven. And, and, and Paul, you had a vision of Jesus. I don't get any of that. And yet you still want prayer for a little bit of boldness? You know, come on. If he needs it, how much more do we? Um, pray for Andrew. Pray for Ashlyn. Pray for their marriage upcoming next year. Pray for them. Uh, number two, would you encourage him? Would you encourage him? Paul says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. Oh my goodness. You know, if everyone in the church, when we talk to each other, when we talk to pastors, when we talk to anybody, if we thought, is what I'm saying building them up? You know, that, that's, a good, that's a good heart check question. But, but I, know, I know pastors need that. I know youth pastors need that. Uh, when I was done in Watoma, I'll never forget, they, they made this book of blessings, and it's sitting in my office on the shelf. And it's just full of people writing things about how they experienced my ministry, the, the good things that came from that. And I, and I read some teenagers' comments. I mean, I knew the adults would do a good job, right? Because they know how to say things. But I read some of the teenager comments, and, and it really just struck me that, you know, I, I, don't, I don't even realize the impact 
pastors don't always realize the impact they have when they do it. And Andrew, you're going you're to find that out. You know, you're going to be ministering to people, meeting with kids, and they're going to have this glazed overlook. You know? and, and you're pouring your heart into them, you know? and, and, and you're not getting anything, right? Not you guys, of course. You guys have expression. I saw you up here. Um, but <laughs> those other teenagers. Um, and uh, it, it just strikes me that you don't always get the encouragement from teenagers that you're looking for. You know, I don't even know if you're looking for it, but you just don't hear it. You don't always know what you're doing to impact them. And then when you leave, then they're all saying, oh, you did this and that, and this was great. And you're like, man, I didn't even know. Um, teenagers, encourage your youth pastor, you know. Uh, if he makes a difference, talk to him about it. Church, talk to him about it. Parents, if you see good things in your kids because of his ministry, tell him about it. Uh, sometimes the, the encouragements come few and far between, and, and you keep pouring into people. And sometimes you pour into people that you just don't see fruit for years. That can be discouraging, which demands encouragement. So, so please do that. Please encourage him. Please build him up in the things that you see him doing, the things that you see that he is. You don't have to encourage him in his love of the Vikings, of course, but, you know, everything else. Although he may need encouragement for that, right? He may need that. Whew. All right. Um, there we go. Number three. Uh, please, please, please respect his boundaries. Respect his boundaries. Uh, here we go. 1 Corinthians uh, 7.32. Uh, Paul says, I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord. But a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife. And I knew wives were worldly. I just knew it. Uh, just kidding. Just kidding. Um, no, but what he means is, what he means is, if you're just serving the Lord and you don't have a wife, your primary, uh, your, your primary thing is just the Lord and you and how he's using you. You have a lot of time. Now, you get married... And, and, and the wife is, is your helper. She, in many ways, there, there's a oneness there that completes a person when they get married. I mean, there, there's an amazing, mysterious thing that God does there. And it's beautiful. He that finds a wife finds a good thing, the Bible says. Andrew's found a good thing, and he's about to marry her, you know. Uh, he, he's wise to do that. Now, the way it hits me is, he's got a year here as a single guy. He's a single guy. And... That means he's going to have a little bit of extra time on his hands, I imagine. I just want, and maybe this is just as much for you, Andrew, it is for the rest of the church. I, I just want to see boundaries so that what we're expecting of him now is similar to what we expect him when he's married. I don't want to see him starting habits right now where, where he's doing ministry work all day and all night because he's a single guy. Then he gets married and several everybody's going, well, where is he? Why isn't he here? He did this last year. Ashlyn's the bad guy, right? Because she must have taken him away from us. No, it'd be better to establish those boundaries now than to wait until next year. You know? so, so I get that he's got some extra time on his hands, but he'll be wise to make boundaries and not set himself up for the shock of marriage and suddenly I've got to restrict the things that I've been doing. Good to have balance now. So please respect those boundaries in his life. If he says, you know what? i just got time to myself tonight. That our response shouldn't be, well, you're a single guy. Why can't you come over? You know, you've got nobody living there with you, you know. Uh, no, our response is to respect the boundaries. Another boundary I, I ask you to respect is, and I, I didn't feel this myself, but I've seen it a lot in, in youth ministry. Sometimes adults have a way of 
looking at the youth pastor as an extension of the teenagers. You know what I mean? Like, here's the teens and here's like the, the Pied Piper of all those rowdy kids, you know? Um, it, it's a high calling and a high position, and, and I believe you're all going to do great with that. I, I have no reason to think contrary to that, but, but I know that I've seen it often enough that you look at the youth pastor as if he's just a little bit of an older teenager that knows a little bit of Bible, you know? Um, here's a guy that's called to lead youth. And he's expressed that to us. I want to honor and respect that. You know, he, he's a pastor in this church. So if you just keep that clear in your mind, I know I, I enjoyed that in a huge way in Watoma where people could see that I'm having a great time in the youth ministry and I'm doing crazy things I normally never do in my life. But I'm doing them because I'm in youth ministry, you know. But that doesn't mean I am a teenager. And, and, and I feel like I received that respect and I want to encourage that same thing there. Because I've seen the opposite happen, too. Um, so, boundaries. Boundaries. Uh, number four. Here's a good one. Feed him. Feed him. Look at that. Now, you know, Andrew could be like a gourmet chef. I don't think that he is, but he could be. And I think he'll still be blessed if you feed him. This is very biblical. 1 Corinthians 9.9. 9, it's written in the Law of Moses. Don't muzzle an ox while it's treading out grain. Is it about oxen that God is concerned? No, it's about Andrew, okay? Um, and as they say in Bible school, if they repeated command from the Old Testament, you know it's got to be important, you know? That's the way it is. Uh, the idea is, you know, you got your ox treading the, doing the grain thing, doing that. Well, keep the muzzle off so he can eat a little bit while he's working, right? Um, invite him over to your house. Have dinners for him. Uh, drop off food. Like I say, he could be a chef and I just don't know it, but... I know he'll be blessed if you feed him, all right? Good. Uh, Enough said about that. Uh, Number five, number five, give your support to his strategies. Give your support to his strategies. Hebrews 13, 17, obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy and not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. Now, I, I don't, I'm not reading that verse to say that, that we pastors say, obey me, and then you say, okay, you know, how high do you want me to jump? Uh, but, but that there's strategies that pastors put into place, or even boards, elder and deacon boards, put into place, and sometimes we get the strategy, sometimes we're like, I'm not seeing this, this is different, this is new, it's not what we used to do, why are you doing it this way? And to that I say, give those strategies a shot, support them. Mo- a lot of strategies work if people say, I'm getting behind that. You know, tell me what you want me to do. How can I help? I'll support you in what you're doing here. And I know with, with a new youth pastor coming in, he's got ideas and things that maybe we've done here for a long time. Maybe some of them we haven't done here before. But I do know he'll need support to get them done. He'll need parents to say, I'm on board. I will help. They'll need people to say, I'll bring food to that event. I'll go on that retreat. I'll stay up all night at that all-nighter. That's the hardest one, by the way. Um, especially if they've got airsoft guns. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll do that. I will support that strategy. And of course, those strategies are, are, are flowing out of our mission statement. So we're not doing strategies that are just crazy and like, why in the world? They flow out of connecting people to God, growing to be like Christ, serving others. That's our mission. Strategies support the mission. That's the purpose of them. So um, if you can support those, that's great. Give them the benefit of the doubt on those. Uh, That's a wonderful thing. Uh, Number six, 
share your wisdom wisely. Now, um, I almost put wisdom in quotes because sometimes our wisdom is more like opinion. I, I understand that. Uh, but uh, Proverbs 10.19 said, When words are many, sin is not absent, but he who holds his tongue is wise. There's certain, there's certain judgments we like to make about things, you know, and we decide, I don't like that. It doesn't make sense to me, you know, and we just want to say, that doesn't work. We didn't do it that way before. And, 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 you know, if we can just hold off on some of that. It doesn't mean don't share your wisdom, though, because look at Proverbs 10.21. Just a few short verses later, the lips of the righteous nourish many, but fools die for lack of judgment. There's the key, judgment. When should I speak and when should I not? Where do I see wisdom needed for me to share? I mean, us pastors, I mean, we, we talk to people who love the church and have ideas about what God might be doing here, and, and, and you share it. And I love hearing those things. Just be asking yourself, is this something that God wants me to share? Or is, it, is God in this, or is He not? Is this wisdom, or is this just me reacting to, we, we haven't done it this way before. I, I, don't, I don't see what the purpose of this is. Maybe you sit down and say, what is the purpose of this strategy or this event? What are you trying to accomplish? And then hear before you judge. Um, share wisdom wisely. I don't have an axe to grind there either. I, I felt very, very supported with the stuff that I was doing. But again, I know youth pastors that try new things and people are going, I just don't, I don't get it. And, and immediately it's a, it's a judgment made on what they're doing. Um, we don't want to be that way. But we do want to share wisdom with a young youth pastor. You do want to share that. You just want to share it wisely. Um, oh, and, and I'll say one more thing underneath that. I almost forgot. Um, it's a huge blessing. and I, I, I never heard this in 10 years, and it's a huge blessing to never hear, well, they're not very much like so-and-so. You know? It's hard when you have a great youth pastor who's been here a lot of years and then he leaves like I feel like we've had here, where people are like, this is a great guy. Um, the, the no comparison thing is wonderful. It's a wonderful gift to not say, well, he would have done it this way. Uh, it's like, man, they, they love me for me, and I can't be anybody else but me. And if I do try to be somebody else, you're all going to know I'm faking it. Teenagers can sniff out fakeness, just so you know. They can sniff it out. It's, it's, like, it's like a sixth sense, you know. They just There it is. You're not being yourself. You've got to be yourself. You've got to be who God's made you to be. And uh, love Him for that. So. All right. Uh, seven. Oh, this kind of flows out of what I just said. Number seven. Lastly, release unrealistic expectations. 1 Corinthians 1.12. Corinthian church is in a, in a scuffle over their favorite Christian leaders. There's celebrities out there, you know. What I mean is, one of you says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Apollos. Another, I follow Cephas. And still another, well, I follow Christ. I beat you all. Um, which even that, when I first read that, I always used to think, well, if you say, I follow Christ, you win the argument, right? It's like, done. <laughs> I win. I'm following Jesus. But, but the way they were saying it wasn't in, in any way humble. It was like, I beat you. I'm following Jesus. Gotcha, you know. Terrible attitude to have. And, and so... We don't want Andrew to be someone that he's not. We want him to be who God has gifted him to be. We don't want to elevate him. I, I, think, I think I have talked to parents that think that a youth pastor is going to connect with every single student on the same level. That's kind of impossible. Because some students don't like my personality. 
You know, they just don't like, I mean, they might like my teaching or they might like the fact that I love teenagers, but maybe they just don't connect with me. You know, I, so, so that demands good youth leaders that, that really can relate to different students where they're at. I, I was never athletic enough to do that really well with the athletes, but you better believe I went to their games and showed support that way, you know? But I always wish I could have done more. Uh, I can do what I can do, and, and I can't be, I can't be the deepest person to speak into every person's life. There's some people that you connect with. There's some that say, "I don't really want to open up to you," and you can't make that happen. The other thing that um, the expectations that I see uh, sometimes is this: I think the youth pastor is going to completely disciple my child. Now, you never say that, and nobody ever says that. But I've certainly encountered parents over the years. That, that thought that if their kid could meet with me, they'd suddenly be an angel. And if they weren't an angel, that just meant more meetings with me. And they'd be an angel. Look, I know <laughs> that there's kids in jail right now that I met with. I, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't change them. That, that's between them and the Lord. And if I can be a conduit, if Andrew can be a conduit for deep personal change, then, then let God do that and just bless it, pray for it, whatever. But... There's no guarantee, you know? And, and discipleship belongs to the parents. We'll say that until we're blue in the face. Discipleship belongs to parents. I loved hearing Andrew say that when he candidated. He said it very clearly. It's not my job. I'm coming alongside parents in the discipleship of their kids. That's a beautiful and true statement. Um, don't throw those expectations on. And in any case, 1 Corinthians 3, 7, right? He who plants and he who waters, neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything. But only God makes things grow. Only God makes things grow. So, so if Andrew's talking to your kids and you see really great things coming from that, you might send him an encouragement card, but you praise God. Because God used him. It's not because Andrew's so special. It's not because I'm so special. God's so special. And he jumps into people's lives and, and shakes them up and uses people and he does good work and he causes growth. So um, those are the things that I wanted to say to the church. Um, those are the things that were on my heart. I prayed about this for a couple of weeks before I wrote the thing, uh, just to say, what is it that I can share? Um, so uh, please love him well. Please support him and encourage him well. And uh, I believe God's going to use him to do great, great things. So, so I want to transition out of this time. And I want to have a time of prayer for Andrew. So I'm going to invite board members to come up at this time. Actually, no, I want to hear from you first. How about that? Let's hear from Andrew first, and then we're going to pray for him, all right? Very good. And you know, he's dressed better than me and his dad. You know, I mean, what is this? What is this? You win. (laughs) There you go. Well, you know, that last verse shows that uh, Twitter is a bad thing. With the, all the I follow Apollos and everything, well, now we can do that all all at once on Twitter. So, <laughs> flip to your Bible real fast. First Corinthians eleven one. This is actually a verse that the youth group might remember. Hopefully, um, when I came and candidated, I shared this verse with them. It's really my my heart for ministry, and so this is my charge to myself, as as well as the youth and uh, those of you in this church family. Paul here writes, be imitators of me, just as I also am of Christ. Short, sweet, 
easy, but not easy to actually do. <laughs> it's a bold claim for Paul or, or any of us to say, you know, I, I want to be someone who can be followed, who can be imitated. But that it's not me that's being the focus. It's still as, as I'm following after God. And that's my charge to myself. I want to live and do ministry in a way that points clearly to Christ, that I am imitating Christ clearly. And so anyone, youth, church family, community, when they see me, they see Christ so clearly. That, that really is my charge to myself. And so as I do that in youth ministry, as I venture into being married, as I venture into uh, being a pastor, being you know, a, a friend, be, all these different things in, in the community, I want to do them in the light of who is really doing the ministry and really is blessing me in this community. And, and so that, that's just something that we're going to have to keep in mind um, because I ultimately want the youth that are in the ministry to then be imitators of Christ and so people can imitate them. I want the church family in the community of Three Lakes and Rhinelander and, and, and all the different uh, communities around I want when people to see, when they see you guys, that it's just as evident that this is a body of Christ. You know, it, the story goes, and, and I've had a little fun with it, um, with the youth. Christopher Columbus, when he came back from his uh, trip to America, there was a bunch of noblemen in Spain who had a feast and everything, and, and they were kind of getting a little big. They're, they're like, well, Columbus, we're very smart here. We're, we have plenty of money here in Spain. And... Anybody could have done this. I mean, it was only a matter of time, really, until someone did um, go forward and, 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 and find this new world. Uh, good job, Columbus, but really, let's be honest, anybody could have done this. Well, rumor has it, as the story goes anyway, that Columbus then took an egg at the table and challenged the no these rich and, and um, knowledgeable nobles to make the egg stand on its edge, on the, on the very tip. And so there for about an hour, they tried to make this egg stand on its tip. And finally, they're like, Columbus, it, it, it's not going to work. It, it just doesn't work. And so as the youth found out that I had them do that, he then took the egg, tapped the bottom on the table, and set it on its end. Now, sure, there are many that were probably screaming out, you know, oh, you're cheating here. We didn't know we could do this and stuff. Then Columbus replies, well, well, sure, it, it, it's easy to follow instruction and do this when you have an example, someone who went forward and did it, and that's what I did when I found the new world. I was that example. Well, we have the same charge as Christians. This Bible, there's a lot of stuff in it. There's a lot of stuff that's confusing to me still. We need to help each other. We need to be examples to one another. We need to help enable one another to see Christ because there are a lot of things that you guys are much better at than I am you know there are a lot of things in the Bible you know prayer quiet time being a good neighbor being you know, the list goes on and on and on and there are some of you that have just done so well in certain areas and I want you guys to be that example for me for the youth for the rest of the church I want to be an example for these um, attributes of the faith and just Let's, <laughs> that's my heart in ministry, is I want to be able to be imitated as I imitate after Christ, because ultimately he's the goal. He is where um, our focus should be. 
So I, I just want to say thank you to all of you who have all done so much in uh, bringing me on as, as pastor here and your encouragement and, and youth. I'm so excited to be working with you and parents as well and the, just the community. It's uh, I can't express enough thanks um, to you all and just really, truly excited um, to see what Christ is going to do here in the city um, through all of us in, in the youth um, here at Three Lakes. So thank you very much. All right, if I could have the, uh, the board members come up, elders, deacons, and uh, your parents, Andrew, if they'd like to join you too, they can come up here and pray over you. That'd be great. I'll put you right here in the middle, sir. That'll be good. Pass the mic around. Pastor Ray, would you start our time? Thank you, sir. Lord Jesus, we come into your presence this morning and we thank you for your love for us, for your faithfulness to us, for your goodness, for your mercy. Lord, I thank you for this church family. I thank you for the way that you are using them in this community, and I just pray for your richest blessings upon them. I thank you for um, Pastor Niall. I thank you for Andrew. I thank you for leading both of these men here to shepherd this, your flock. I thank you for their hearts. Lord, I pray for them. I pray for Andrew. I pray that in the weeks and months to come, that he would grow in his, his uh, love for you and for people, that you would use him mightily in the lives, especially of the youth here. Lord, I pray that um, you would guard his heart and his mind in Christ Jesus. Um, thank you. Thank you for the gifts and the abilities and the purpose that you've poured into him. And thank you that you've considered him faithful to serve and to lead. And we pray for your richest blessings upon him. Father God, we give you uh, all the glory for the putting all the pieces together that that brought Andrew to us and so that we will always be supportive of him. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this young man and his desire to serve you. We thank you for working in his life and for just bringing him here, Father. And we just now, we hold him up in prayer and ask that uh, all of us as a body would support him, would lift him up, stand beside him. And as he goes forth in his ministry, Father, may you keep him strong, keep him bold, keep him humble. And I just pray that he would connect with the youth in the area here and that his ministry would glow and flourish. And we ask for your blessing and your hand to be upon him in all this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Lord, we ask that you give... We give Andrew wisdom and ask you that you watch over him as he watches over the youth of this community, of this church. We also, we also pray that the youth of this church and the youth of this community revere him and look up to him as somebody that they can trust in 
And we just ask this in your name. Amen. Father, thank you for this tremendous opportunity to bring Andrew and his family before you. May we as a congregation be open to your leading and helping him to guard his heart, to guard his ministry. Thank you, Lord, for Andrew and his willingness to serve. In Christ's name I pray. Father, what a good day. It's just a good day to see what you're doing here and, and that you've guided us in the process. You've been faithful, and now we're at this place of installing a new youth pastor. God, I just pray that you would fill Andrew with your wisdom, fill him with your spirit. Maybe he, may he be controlled by your spirit. May he minister in the power of your spirit so that when, when people think of him and his ministry, the first thing they really think of is you. Uh, that, that you're working through him in a mighty way. God, I pray for this, this time of transition where all things are new and figuring things out in the church and, and what's supposed to happen next, vision, all those questions. God, I pray that you just fill him with your wisdom and, and make him able to do all that you plan for him to do. God, I pray you give him a great ministry here. I pray that the youth ministry would, would grow, and, and we mean that in, in, in spiritual, deep ways. Uh, we pray numerically for, for, for teenagers to give their lives to you and, and become part of the church by, by committing themselves to the gospel. God, I pray the gospel would go out boldly through his mouth as he speaks to teenagers one-on-one or in, in a group, that the gospel would go forth and do its work of calling people into a relationship with you. Oh, God bless him. I pray against the, um, the difficult times that will come his way when, when Satan attacks. And, and we know when we step up to do what you want, there, there's pushback. And I pray that you would make him strong and able to stand against those things. Uh, I pray for his upcoming marriage, um, that, that the, this next year would be a wonderful time in, in preparing his own heart for that step and preparing Ashland as well. God, thank you for bringing him here, and I pray you bless his ministry in a great way. In Jesus' name, amen.